grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this fourth Sunday of Easter is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 8, beginning at the 26th verse. This is Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is an isolated area. So he got up and went, and there was a man, an Ethiopian eunuch, uh, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was on his way home, sitting in his chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, go over there and stay close to that chariot. Philip ran up to it and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will talk about his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Then the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, starting with that very passage of scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were traveling along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is there to prevent me from being baptized? <coughs> he ordered the chariot to stop. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they stepped up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him anymore, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, found himself at Astos, and as he went from place to place, he preached the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 John chapter 3, beginning at the 18th verse. Dear children, let us love not only with word or with our tongue, but also in action and truth. This is how we know that we are of the truth, and how we will set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. We also receive from him whatever we ask, because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. This then is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that we love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in God and God in him. This is how we know that he remains in us 
we know it from the Spirit whom he has given to us. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning at the first verse. These are the words of Jesus on the night he was betrayed, when he was celebrating with his disciples the Passover meal. And in fact, verse 5 of chapter 15 is actually my confirmation verse. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he is going to cut off. And he prunes every branch that does not bear fruit, so that it will bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I am going to remain in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Likewise, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him is the one who bears much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you continue to bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. This is the Gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 8, beginning at the 26th verse. I would like to begin with the reading of this one verse. And it is verse 35. Then Philip began to speak. Starting with that very passage of scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, it is like ripples going and expanding out when you drop that stone into the water. And that is what I think of when I read the book of Acts, especially this very chapter, which we are considering for our sermon uh, this morning, this Acts chapter 8. Oh, picture the, those ripples going out, because the Lord himself had commanded his disciples to start in Jerusalem. That's where the pebble dropped. And then to expand to Judea. That was the region around Jerusalem. And then the ripples went out north and went into the area of Samaria. And then the Lord concluded with the words to the ends of the earth. And we see a perfect example of those very words recorded here. Because when the disciples heard that they were to start in Jerusalem, go through Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, they did just that. In fact, they've been preaching in the temple after Jesus ascended back into heaven continually. They've been reaching out into that area of Judea. But now, they just sent an evangelist to do work in Samaria. And this evangelist is Philip. Philip is not one of the twelve, because there was an apostle Philip. This is actually Philip, who was one of the seven. Because shortly after Jesus ascended back into heaven, shortly after 
the, uh, you had Pentecost and 3,000 were baptized, which really began the Christian church. You had, you had the, uh, you had the apostles then picking seven guys to go and be kind of like staff ministers, if you will. And they, their job was to oversee the care of the widows so that the apostles could dedicate more time to the word and to prayer. And one of them was Philip. But Philip eventually became an evangelist, and he went, goes up north into Samaria, remember, into the area that the Jews hated. They wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. And, and this was not even the first time that there was missionary work done in this area. In fact, Jesus himself, as he made his way the last several months before going to Jerusalem where he would suffer and die on the cross for the sins of the world, had sent out a number of missionary teams to do work going from town and village, especially emphasizing Samaria. Now Philip is going up there certainly to tell them about the resurrection of Christ, the very Savior that they heard about, the very Savior that they probably saw with their own eyes. And the ministry was a huge success. People were coming to the faith. In fact, there was so much activity and so much excitement that the apostles sent two of their very own up there, Peter and John, to assist in the ministry that Philip was conducting. And it was during the height of this entire ministry, during the height of this huge success, that the Lord God sent an angel to Philip and told him to leave. Boy, you would be tempted to think, why? Why would the Lord do that? But see, the Lord had a plan. And the Lord's plan is always a bigger and better plan. It was the Lord's plan to take Philip and to go down to Gaza, which was one of the five primary cities among the Philistines. And this Gaza was actually this city along the route that led to Egypt. It was actually an isolated area that the Lord sent him. So here he was ministering to who knows how many, and now he's supposed to go down to just one. Because on that road was a chariot of a man who just worshipped at Jerusalem, which tells us he was a God-fearing believer, but didn't know who Jesus was. So as he's going, uh, Philip is going to meet up with him. In fact, the Holy Spirit is going to tell him to run up to that chariot that this man was in. And what does Philip find? He finds an Ethiopian. Now, keep in mind that the country of Ethiopia probably wasn't established at the time that these words took place. So our understanding of Ethiopian is really an emphasis that is pointing out that this man was simply dark-skinned and was probably from the area, many believe, was 
just outside of Egypt called Nubia. We're told that he's actually a eunuch, which means that he is not able to have children. And that is not surprising because he's also a court official uh, among Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, and usually officials were, were, became eunuchs so, because they were so close to the queen. But what really makes this man interesting is that he was in charge of all her treasury. This is not simply in an important man. This is a very powerful man. So if he's going in his chariot, I would have no problem saying that he had servants with him and probably even royal guard. This is the man the queen would not want to lose. And what does Philip find about this man? Is that he's actually reading the Old Testament Bible. In fact, he's reading in such a way that in the original language, it actually puts the emphasis on the fact that he's reading out loud. He's reading for, no doubt, his staff to hear. And Philip certainly heard it. When he inquires about what he is reading, it turns out that he's been reading from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. In fact, these are the words that he's actually reading. He was let like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will talk about his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. These words are titled in our Bibles as the Lord's suffering servant. The Jews at this time would have definitely say that the interpretation of these words is that they're prophesying the Messiah, the coming Christ. Today, because people deny Jesus, actually interpret these very words as speaking about the people of Israel. But Philip sets the record straight. In fact, starting with that very passage, he tells this Ethiopian eunuch, this royal official, the good news about Jesus. We're not told all that he said about Jesus, but if he's starting with this very passage, he's no doubt talking about Jesus' death and his resurrection, even his ascension back into heaven. He is pointing out that this is the Messiah that was promised, and Jesus is that very one. And only through faith in him are you saved. But what I find fascinating is he speaks of the good news of Jesus. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say he simply gave him the good news about God. In my Bible information class, I have in each lesson... 10 true or false statements. And one of the statements is true or false. Believe in God and you will be saved. Most people will say that is definitely true. Recognizing, of course, that Jesus is the Son of God. If you're believing in God, well, then you're believing that Jesus is the Son of God. You're believing in that God took on human flesh to become our Savior and paid for our sins in full. 
but I usually will make the comment that I lean towards false in that statement, even though what they said is very, very true. Because I always think of John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Believing in him is not referring to God. The pronoun is referring to the only begotten son, the one and only son, and that's Jesus Christ. So our ministry is not simply proclaiming the gospel about God as we tell people something about God and they can believe whatever they want about God. No, specifically, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We proclaim Jesus Christ. We point people to Jesus Christ and let them know that God the Father sent the Son and the Son paid for our sins in full and the Son and the Father sent the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, always testifying of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. This is what Philip preached, and along with it, he must have said something about baptism, because as they were going along, they came to a watering hole. Now, from what I read from commentaries, this was not uncommon, that there would be places to, to, to get water along that route that, led, that leads to Egypt. The Ethiopian eunuch orders for the chariot to be stopped and asked Philip why he could not be baptized. And so both Philip and the Ethiopian get into the water. How deep was the water? By the way, there's huge debate about that. We don't know. We weren't there. This is not a proof passage for immersion. All we know is they went into the water and Philip baptized him, applying water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as Philip walked out from that watering hole, the Holy Spirit immediately took him away. First, took him to Astos, which was another one of the five cities in the region of the Philistines. And then from there, he went from town and village, and we don't hear him going back to Samaria. He probably did. We're just not told. But he does end up in Caesarea. And in fact, we know that he'll spend 20 years in Caesarea, and in fact, he'll even have a home. And we learn this because Paul will actually stay with Philip in Caesarea later on. Meanwhile, the Ethiopian eunuch, he goes on his way. And he goes on his way rejoicing. The man who was confused is now rejoicing. The man who was troubled when he even asked Philip, who, who is he talking about, himself or someone else, now has the answer. And the answer brought great joy to his heart because he learned that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And with that joy, he went home. What brings joy to my heart is to hear how Philip used the two tools 
that God has commanded all of his disciples to use. Remember, Jesus said, after his resurrection and before his ascension into heaven, he would say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then comes two participles, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Philip taught and Philip baptized. There is no talk here that Philip had conducted any surveys. He wasn't trying to figure out what the latest feelings were in the area and then tried to gear his ministry to that. He wasn't, he wasn't looking at what comes across as being popular in order to figure out what people really want so we can give people what they really want so that way they can really come to church or we hope they'll come to church. No, he gave this man what he needed. He was a sinful human being like us all. The law makes that clear. But what is also clear is the gospel about the Savior who paid for those sins. And because he lives, we too shall live with sins paid for and with the hope of heaven. So the joy of Easter marches on and it marches on and we march on with that same joy like Christian soldiers armed with the word of God not figuring out or trying to figure out what people want, but giving people what they need. It's the same thing we need. We need Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.